Welcome, everybody. This is season two, episode one of the I'll Get Better Later, I Promise podcast. It is I, your host, the one and only Big Angry, a.k.a. Tony. I just wanted to come to y'all today to do some housekeeping items first and foremost, and then get into the episode. So the first item on the agenda today is the change of format for the podcast. Uh, Formerly, we've been doing the podcast every Friday, and we've been doing about 30 minutes an episode, sometimes a little bit more, sometimes a little bit less, but somewhere in the goal of 30 minutes. Now, we'll be doing the podcast bi-weekly, every other Sunday, and the podcast will be going about an hour each episode, maybe a little bit more, maybe a little bit less, but the goal will be an hour. And this works out to be the same amount of content. You still get the same number of minutes. It'll be just spread out differently. It'll give people time to digest each episode and to hopefully give people a chance to want to discuss it. It'll give me a chance to interact with you guys a little bit better about it. It'll give me a chance to do some other things that I want to do. Um, video has been one of the things that I've been trying to get done on the podcast unsuccessfully to this point. Um, that's coming with this new season. And I would also like to do a companion blog to go along with the podcast. The idea for the goal for the blog to be every other week to alternate with the podcast. So on the weeks that the podcast drops, it'll be the podcast. And then the next week will be the blog and the blog would explain the podcast a little bit more in detail it'll be more of a, a thought out ex- explanation of the topics that were discussed on the episode um and it'll just be a different format not everybody wants to listen to me talk for an hour i don't understand why not but you know different strokes for different folks <laughs> so maybe it'll give some people a chance to want to read the blog versus listen to a podcast so just a different format of getting that out there And then the next big change is going to be the format of each individual episode is going to be changing as well from just discussing random topics. Um, I think I will be doing a theme to each episode and then discuss different topics relating to that theme. Uh, This week, for example, is going to be about relationships. And I'll be discussing it from different point of views and different topics and different aspects of that. And it hopefully will be a better conversation, a better, a better thought out presentation. It'll give me a chance to really tackle the issue in a productive way, as opposed to just making a sound bite for a few minutes and not really getting to the meat of the issue. So I hope that this will be a positive change. Uh, we'll see how it goes. And if not, we'll adapt and adjust as we need to. That's what we do. We'll get better as we go along. Um, Other than that, we're going to get into it. I hope y'all stick with me for the whole episode. I appreciate you all. Thanks again. And we'll get to it. So, if we're going to have a conversation about relationships and love, I think we need to talk about love first and what is love. What does it mean to you? Because I think it's something that everybody has to have their own definition of. 
I recently listened to The Miseducation of Lauren Hill and I had a realization that finally hit me for the first time. I don't know if I'm late to the party or if this is common knowledge, but the whole premise of the album, you know, is framed around a, a classroom having a discussion about love and the teachers asking the kids questions and they're debating and they're discussing and they're sharing and they're growing and learning. At the beginning of the CD, beginning of the album, Lauren Hill is not present for class. And I didn't think anything of it. But I think what she's trying to say is maybe everybody else had that conversation and they know what love is, but she must have been absent that day. And that's why she doesn't know what love is. So everybody else got that education, but she was miseducated because she missed that day. And sometimes I feel that same way because I feel as though what I thought love was obviously isn't. And that may sound sad or depressing, but it's just, I think that I thought love was the same thing for everybody. And I think that love is a very personal definition that each person has. And that's something that we as adults need to be able to recognize and understand. We can save ourselves a lot of trouble and a lot of heartbreak, a lot of frustration if we are able to accept that fact that what is love for one person isn't the same as love for another person. Let that marinate for a little bit. Everybody has their own ideas. Everybody's vision of love is different. Everybody's thoughts about it are different. We tend to think that everybody feels the same way that we do and has the same ideas as we do. And it's not true. I think that that's very important. And maybe somebody listening to this may hear these words and, you know, take heed to it and save themselves some heartache or some struggle in the future. So each one teach one, everybody pass on all their knowledge and we all share ideas. So hopefully that's some free game for somebody. I think that part of the responsibility of each of us as adults is to be aware of ourselves when we go into relationships and different situations with people. We need to be aware of the energy that we give off, the type of vibes that we give off, you know, the, the image that we portray. Um, we need to be aware of how the energy that we give off, how it attracts certain energies back to it. You know, a lot of times in life, we hear the expression that opposites attract. And I think that that's a real thing. You know, uh, if we don't know ourselves and we don't know who we are and what we are, it can be a situation where we don't realize why we're attracting certain types of energies because it's the way that we portray ourselves, the way that we present ourselves to the universe. For example, if you are a strong personality, if you are that leader type, that headstrong person who takes charge of every situation, you're not going to attract somebody else who has that same type of personality because that person 
doesn't want to be in a situation with another person that's that same leader type, you will attract somebody who is willing to follow a strong leader type or to be part of a team with a leader. And if we're not aware of how we present ourselves, we can end up presenting ourselves the way we want to be, not the way that we really are, and therefore attract the same type of personality to ourselves. Hope that makes sense. Let me try to run it back and explain. So I myself am a collaborative type person. I'm a team player. I am very comfortable not being the leader in a group. I much prefer to be part of a team where I can collaborate with others. However, I tend to be put in situations where I am forced to take charge and be that aggressive leader type. And therefore, I attract people who are looking for that aggressive type of leader energy. When in reality, I'm much more of a collaborative team player type person. So I like people who have the energy of being okay with saying, all right, I'm gonna make a decision. Let's rock with it. Whereas somebody who has to be the leader does not want anybody making a decision. But because I present myself as that type of person uh, due to circumstances where I have to be in charge of situations, I present myself more as that aggressive, make the final decision, be the boss type of person. And so somebody who sees that may think, oh, this is the type of person who's going to be a take charge type of person, who's going to be the decider and all that. In reality, I'm much more of a laid back, collaborate, let's talk about it type person. So I myself am aware of how I present different energies due to different circumstances. But being aware of these things can help in the future of saving time and saving art heartache or saving aggravation or saving stress and conflict in situations with others. Because the more aware we are of ourselves, the better we can interact with others. So I'm big on self-awareness. And hopefully this conversation will be something that can start you thinking about it. Or maybe you can say something to me that may make me think differently about it. So let's talk about it. All right. I think I'm far enough into the podcast where I can piss a couple people off now. I think I'm safe. I think that one of the issues in relationships that I have experienced and from talking with others and hearing different conversations and seeing different things, I have come to the conclusion that a lot of women, not all some women think that relationships are something that happened to them. I believe that relationships should be effort on both parts. And that means both parts showing romance, showing affection, taking time, making the other person feel special. I think that a lot of the relationship responsibilities are placed on the man in the relationship. And I don't think that there is an equal emphasis on the woman having to display affection and put effort into making the relationship work.
I think that men need to be valued equally in relationships with regards to things that things that are done. Um, for instance, Valentine's Day is a big deal for a man to make a big display of it. It's expected. It is not something that is expected of women to do. Or things like uh, just because flowers. You know, it's something that women always say they appreciate when a man does it. But there's no equivalent of a woman doing those type of things. And I think it's something that is just a expectation that causes conflict. It doesn't help anything. It's outdated thinking and it doesn't really apply. I think that relationships should be about effort on both parts. Whether it's being supportive of each other, displaying affection, anything. I think that it should be something that is distributed on both sides. And I think that that would be a big help with relationships. That's not to trash women or to bash women. But we are using outdated standards for modern relationships. And I think more than anything, that is a big problem is these outdated norms and certain traditions being held on to and others are being let go. And that kind of goes into another topic that I wanted to talk about, which is the imbalance or the uneven application of gender roles in relationships in modern times. Let's try saying that five times. What I'm trying to say with all that word soup is women are changing the dynamic of relationships in a weird way. Women are no longer silent partners in relationships. Women are heads of households. Women are breadwinners in a lot of situations. Women are successful. Women are killing it. <clears throat> and I think that as a result of that, they demand Rightfully so, in most situations, a lot of respect, a lot more respect than has been given to women in previous generations and in previous eras. And I think that they deserve that respect and they deserve those, that treatment, for sure, because they earned it. They went out, they got educated, they became bosses, they worked their asses off and they deserve everything, for sure. But with that being said, I think that women still want to hold men to a certain standard that no longer exists either. So it seems as though the gender standard or gender norms for women have been shifted due to circumstances and due to the current times, but the roles and the standards for men have not men are still expected to be the breadwinner, 
a man is still expected to be this, a man is expected to be that. A woman is allowed to be whatever she wants to be. There's no classification. She doesn't have to be the domesticated housewife, cook, clean, be a submissive type woman anymore because she has broke past those boundaries. But men are still held to the same standard that they were 50 years ago, 60 years ago, 70 years ago. And it causes a weird dynamic in a lot of relationships. I'm speaking for myself. I've experienced this. And I've talked to other men who have experienced similar or expressed similar uh, feelings. It's not an attack. It's not saying that there's a blame. It's not trying to belittle or to demean anyone. But it's something that's worth talking about. If you think that I'm tripping, if you think that I'm bugging, let me know. Hopefully it will start a conversation. I'd love to hear the opposing point of view. I don't think that I have all the answers. I'm not sway. So let me know what you think. Give me some feedback. This should be interesting to hear. And I'm once again not talking about any specific person, any one person or anything like that. No attacking on anybody. I'm expressing a thought. And I hope that it be... It is the beginning of a productive and fruitful conversation. Fingers crossed. So, now that we got all that out of the way, I wanted to talk about what a relationship is. I talked about love and I talked about people being participants in relationships and gender roles and things like that. But what is actually a relationship? What is a relationship when you get down to the nitty gritty of it? And I feel that a relationship is just two imperfect people trying to come together to create something special. They don't have to be perfect. There's no such thing as perfect. I don't think that there's any two people that are perfect for each other. You know, no two pictures are perfect. No two pictures are identical when we were talking about the pictures of love and what people's ideas of love are. But I think that two people who come as close as they can just trying to figure things out and who are good to each other and who are there for each other and who are real with each other and honest and supportive and motivate each other and support each other. I think that's what it's all about. I think that being upfront with what your idea of a relationship is, is important because you need to express to your potential partner what you're looking for and they need to do the same for you and y'all need to listen to each other and believe each other and make a decision if that's something that you're willing to deal with because once you make that decision that you want to do it you are automatically going to become part of a team part of each other's lives part of each other's futures part of each other's history you're part of each other's story good bad or otherwise you know either it's a happily ever after or a 
you won't believe what just happened, but you're going to be part of the story for, you know, the rest of this person's life. So it's important that you guys and gals are having those conversations and and truly listening to each other and being aware of what you really are looking for when getting into relationships. And this may kind of go back into something that we talked about earlier, but it's an hour. Got to fill in the airtime some kind of way. But I'm serious about the, the topic. And I think that the point is valid, if not repetitive. So here's a real question, y'all. In today's economy, where most households are two income households, where both parents are working full-time jobs normally, how do chores get assigned in most households? Is it certain chores are just considered to be men chores and certain women, certain chores are considered to be women chores? Is it based on schedule or is it based on what is most convenient for each other? Or do we kind of conform to just a gender specific role? Women do dishes, men cut grass, et cetera, et cetera. Is that, is that the best way to do things? Is it the only way to do things that works? Is it just the way that we've done things for so long or the way that it's been done for so long that it's the way that we default to? What about a situation where if you live in an apartment and there's no grass to be cut, what what chores are assigned to whom in that situation? If there's a superintendent to fix things that need to be repaired and there's no nothing to be landscaped, what chores does a man do in that situation? What if it doesn't really matter who does what, but we hold on to these old stereotypes and old traditions and old routines, and we try to apply it to our situation, but it's not always applicable. I remember Cardi B had the lyric in one of her songs, she don't cook, she don't clean, but she'll show you how she got that ring, something along those lines. And people was killing Cardi because she didn't cook and clean and then she got uh, cheated on by her man and she ended up filing for divorce, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I thought about it and I saw somebody post something somewhere and it really made me think about it. Cardi B and Offset are rich enough where they probably have maids and cooks for them. Cardi wouldn't be expected to cook or clean because they have people to do that for them. So even though on the surface, it's funny that people make the joke about, oh, Cardi didn't cook and clean. That's why she lost her man, et cetera, et cetera. Cardi wasn't going to be cooking and cleaning to begin with because they have people who are paid well to do that for them. But it's just we default to, oh, Cardi didn't do those things, so Cardi B lost her man. But Cardi B is a multimillionaire and a, a successful celebrity who has people to do those things for her. So why would we hold those 
those stereotypical roles to her and say that the the downfall of her marriage was a result of that. Even if it was a joke, the thought behind it is true, and that's what people truly believe. It's just one of those things I don't think that we're aware of when we're doing it, but it's just kind of a relevant point. All right, so earlier I talked about being aware of ourselves and our motivations and our understanding of things. And I also talked about how we create a picture of love based on our experiences and examples and things. And now I want to talk about how those two things come together. And I mean, the way that we create this picture of love is from what we've seen in our past, in our childhood, in our lives. You know, were our mom and dad together? Were they happy? How did they interact with each other? Were they loving? Were they affectionate? Uh, did we have aunts and uncles that were together? Were our grandparents together? Did we have friends that, that found love? What kind of movies and TV shows did we watch? And each of these things leaves a lasting impression on us, whether we know it or not. And we see what we like and what we don't like and we kind of create this picture. But a lot of times we're doing it through a child's eyes, depending on how far back we're talking about, and those impressionable years where we don't really understand the full context of things, where we don't really understand the bigger picture. We form a lot of these, these pictures and these images of what is good and what is bad, where when we're older, we can see that it's not really uh, what we thought it was, but it's too late because that image is embedded so deeply in us that even if we know logically with our brain that this image that we have isn't real, we can't just shake that image. We can't let go of that image because it's a part of our identity. It's a part of our belief and what we've always wanted and what we've always, what we've groomed ourselves for. So even though we grow up and we see that these examples and these people and these situations that we based our picture of love on, they may not be what we thought they were. We see the flaws and we see the cracks and the imperfections and the hurt and all that kind of stuff. Our heart and our, our picture of love is already drawn. We can't change it now or we, it's not easy to, it can be done but we have to be aware of what we're doing. You know, I myself have been like the the romantic, the hopelessly romantic, love conquers all type. And one of the things that I've had to realize is that it's not necessarily like in the movies where if you just want it bad enough and you do the right thing and say the right thing, things will work out. But that's the 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 idea that I've had, you know, because I, I guess because the way I grew up and the circumstances that I had, that was the, the projection and that was the, the expectation was that that's how it worked. And I still think in a perfect world, that's how it should be. But I realized that uh, there's more than just having a lot of really strong feelings for somebody and really wanting to be with somebody in order for relationships to work. Uh, 
some other people may have other situations where they think things that are opposite or think things are one way. And I think the important thing is things are not always one thing. Relationships vary by people, circumstances, time period, finances, societal norms, all kinds of different things play roles into it. And we have to be flexible, we have to be understanding, and we have to be willing to compromise because there's no right or wrong answers. I think the most important thing is being aware of your own feelings and your own station, your own place in your journey with love and life and your, your personal beliefs because that's going to definitely play a big role in how any future relationships that you go into will play out. The more aware you are and the more honest and the more willing you are to work on it, the easier it is for you and that person to find the groove and the happiness that y'all need to get into. So, something to think about. All right. Here's a tricky subject. I am going to try to do this justice as a genuine question that I have. And it's a genuine question that I've heard expressed from others. Why is it that women seem to be willing to tolerate infidelity more than other things from men? It's almost as though cheating is expected. I think that the consensus among a lot of people right now is that women don't place a big emphasis on men being faithful. And I think that men are starting to question, faithful men are starting to question their decision-making process because it seems that women are really okay with it. By and large, women are giving men multiple chances on the cheating tip. This is not to say that women are okay with the cheating, but it seems to be something that is very forgivable compared to other things in a relationship. Just an observation. I don't know what it means, but it is a thing. Faithful men don't see the benefit of being faithful. If they're going to be held to the same standard and same accountability as the cheater and the cheater gets second chances for cheating, why are they being faithful? I think that this is a subject and a question that women don't quite understand, but it is a question that men have because it is a choice and sometimes a difficult choice to be faithful. When you see other guys going out doing it with no consequences and getting the same treatment that you do and you're being faithful and being respectful. 
I think that if that is something that is very important to women in relationships, and I think that most women would say, if you ask them, that is something that is very important. I think that the actions and the words need to match up with that. I don't think that I'm way off topic with this. I think that this is a fair statement. I've seen enough posts. I've heard enough talk. I've seen videos of the same thing. And I don't think that men should be cheating or that women should be cheating. But I think that it's a, a weird dynamic that has taken shape in relationships. And maybe the answer is women, if somebody is cheating, you be more firm in your denunciation or your reaction to the cheating. Because right now it's like, why bother being faithful? That's kind of bleak, but it's a genuine question. Is this something that women are aware of or something that women have noticed? Let me know. Men, if I'm if I'm tripping, if I'm if I'm giving up too much sauce, let me know. But it's a it's a real question because I think that uh, these are different times than anybody's ever experienced before, which is kind of every time nobody's ever experienced anything before it happens. Duh. But the dynamics and relationships are at a definite weird place, and it's something that seems to be a trend. Give me your feedback, please. I'm very curious to hear it. So, once all these things have taken effect, we've gone through all the good, all the bad, and we were in a way aware of ourselves enough to prevent the inevitable breakup, and breakups happen. How are relationships handled these days? How are breakups handled in the social media age? Because now everybody's living their lives online. So do you share the breakup with everybody? Do you keep it private? Do you attack the person online? Do you cyber stalk and cyber bully the person? Do you just delete them and block them and try to not interact with them at all? This is a weird time where you can't just not see a person in person and they don't exist anymore. Now, you cannot physically be around a person and because you share mutual friends, you see pictures of them, uh, you may be part of same similar groups or follow similar people or have mutual contacts and end up interacting unintentionally through social media or just different things that we didn't have to deal with in the past as humans. It's a it's a tricky time to navigate things in this, this day and age where so much of our identity 
and our reputation is based off of not our actions in the real world, but how we navigate the social media world. And so handling a breakup in a, a negative way can lead you to suffer social social uh, anxiety or social attacks or social become a social outcast or you can become a, a sympathetic figure or you can become a more popular person depending on how you handle things and this is almost judged by a group of peers or people that you don't even see anymore people that you went to school with in the past or people that you only interact with online these days but their feedback and their likes and their comments can affect your ability to interact with others I don't think that is something that is overtly stated but I think it is something that's implied and I think that most people are aware of it um, a lot of us do things for likes on social media because we live so much of our lives on there and that gratification becomes almost an addiction for a lot of people and it's not something that you know any previous generation has had to really navigate before you know, knowing that people are looking at what you post and trying to figure out what's going on and trying to, you know, trying to maintain a sense of normalcy and a sense of reality in a world where life has become so digital. Um, you see stories of people being unable to cope with it and uh, hurting themselves or hurting others. And you realize how big an impact it has on some people. And you have to keep in perspective what's real life and what's, you know, online. And that's a fine line that not everybody can navigate. And so it's important to to talk through to people in real life and express feelings and be clear about what's important because if you let the online world affect your real world it normally has bad consequences so if you need to talk to somebody you need to get help don't be afraid to talk to somebody or get help and just just keep things in perspective and remember that tomorrow's another day Nothing is ever worth your freedom or your life. I think it's important for people in relationships to be aware of where they are on their journey in life and their attempts to become the person that they want to be. I think it's important to make sure that you are on your path and that the person that you're with understands your journey and where you're at and they're okay with that. I think a lot of times we are 
afraid that the person that we're with can slow our progress down. And I think that the fear of losing something by association is a real fear that a lot of people have. I think that a lot of these issues can be fixed if people have a better understanding of each other. And then that starts with a better understanding of yourself, being able to understand your feelings and then being able to express those feelings to someone else in a way that they can relate to is one thing to to say how you feel or you know express it but it's a completely different thing to express it in a way that can be used and processed and is helpful i think a lot of times we take for granted that we understand what we're trying to say and we feel as though the person that we're communicating to understands what we're trying to say, but it doesn't always work that way. And so I think a lot of frustration comes from that. Um, so knowing ourselves better, understanding ourselves better, and being able to express it to each other is a, a very important part of fixing that kind of an issue. Communication and understanding is is crucial in relationships, I feel. And not only communicating and understanding, but being honest with each other. If you are not okay with something, you need to express that to your partner. You have to have an honest and open dialogue at all times. I think a lot of times we get caught up in pressure of not wanting to disappoint someone or not wanting to hurt someone's feelings. And we put ourselves and we put others in situations that could be avoided with honest communication. So definitely being being true to yourself and being true with your partner or potential partner, I think, is something that can really help improve things. And it's one thing to say that, but being honest when it's not pleasant is important. And being understanding when somebody is coming to you with honesty that, you know, it might not be pleasant, but it's better than the alternative and being able to work through issues and being committed to that, that change or committed to that understanding, that resolution. What do I know? Um, I don't have the answers. I say that often, but it's true. My my goal and my purpose here is not to to sit on top of some box top, some soapbox, and preach down the gospel to anyone. I'm just expressing my opinions and my thoughts, and hopefully you guys will relate, or hopefully you guys can bring me a different point of view that can give me a better understanding to help me along my journey. So it's a communication, it's a, a dialogue, it's a conversation back and forth. So it's not a one-way thing where I'm dictating anything to you guys. I'm expressing my side, and then you guys express your side to me, and that's how we grow. So I enjoy any feedback, any comments, any remarks, any messages that you guys have. 